It's at times like the Turkish Grand Prix that I'm reminded of the immortal words of my driving instructor many a year ago. Easy on the throttle and keep it on the road, Tom. Let's get started. Sebastian Vettel's got it to Max Verstappen. And under braking, Leclerc has gone into the barriers at the penultimate turn. Perez ahead of Stroll, ahead of Ricardo behind. Oh, it's a tight finish. It's a photo finish. Adding another championship to his collection. It's Lewis Hamilton, champion of the world. I had a completely different word of advice that stick in my head from my driving instructor. I think the one that comes to mind is my back used to be quite good before I got into the car with you. Oh, <laughs> I used to apologise to him because it would be coming up to a roundabout. Break. Oh, no, I can go. Quick, accelerate. <laughs> it's bunny hopping down the road. To be fair, there was an element of poetic licensing there, but shh, don't tell anyone. <laughs> don't tell anyone. <laughs> secret, secrets. Yes. Okay, so first of all, the big news. Lewis Hamilton has won his seventh Drivers' Championship. Started in sixth place, somehow made it to first, only needed to beat Valtteri Bottas by a handful of points. But Hamilton, being Hamilton, decided that wasn't enough. Only one pit stop, turned his intermediate tyres basically into flats as the the track uh, dried out. What are our thoughts, first of all, on this new record-breaker or equaler? Well, there's no way to to downplay the the monumental success of Hamilton and I think I think perhaps that that this Turkish Grand Prix demonstrates to everyone the feel that Hamilton has for the track and just the sort of I don't know underlying genius there no one I think predicted that you could just keep driving on intermediate tires until you wear the rubber down into slicks and they end up looking like a hybrid between them both. In fact, there are actually in some racing sports what are known as uh, like, like very slight wet. They look like very slight wet tyres. They're called shallow wets, which is basically what Hamilton created and also Sergio Perez created as well um, by driving these tyres. And I thought they were going to explode, but apparently not. So, yeah, congrats to Hamilton. Not only did he take the win and his seventh world championship, but did it in a in a flair that can only be matched apparently by a Mexican in a racing point car. <laughs> I completely agree. And I also feel as if I'm quite glad that this was the way that it happened. I feel like if it had been another one of those where he'd started on pole or he'd started just behind Bottas who was on pole, and he'd overtaken him, and then he stayed there for the entire race, and then he won the World Championship, we'd all be like, congratulations, that's amazing. But for me, it was the way that he's proved to people, yet again, his talent, by he didn't just start at the front and walked his way around for however many laps. He worked very hard, drove very well, and made decisions that not even his team were making. Like He was the one in control and made the right call, and it shows like really his his experience and like his talent. Um, yeah, no, it's a huge achievement, and to be honest, like... I was thinking, when's the knighthood, you know? I feel like he could be... I was I was watching I'm a Celebrity, and I was thinking about how Moe's a sir. And obviously, he's got, got Olympic medals. But, like, obviously, this is, like... Um, I don't know. You can't say anything is equivalent to anything because there's no Formula 1 in Olympics. But I think we're getting to that point now. Like, he's got his MB already, as we know. But, like, is he going to be a sir one day? I think he should. I think... What do you guys think? Well, you... you... You you know, I've, I've been hearing that a letter got sent from the all-party um, group for Formula One in the House of Commons uh, to the Prime Minister, asking him to put up 
Lewis Hamilton for a, a knighthood. And to be honest, I think he should at least get, you know, uh, uh, an MBE member of he the British Empire. Does he? Does he have he a, an does he he has have an a commander, already. an officer? Uh... There's just a little bit of uh, English, English tradition so, no. there. Because no. traditionally, one goes member of the British Empire, MBE, officer of the British Empire, OBE, and then commander of the British Empire, CBE. And it's from CBE that you can then be knighted. So you don't traditionally okay. get given sir. Well, maybe it's maybe a, just an upgrade on his MBE. Well, you don't, ha- you can't, you don't have to go through the stages and then yeah. you, you can just be given one. I think that's the correct order. I think officer is below commander, which sounds about right. Um, and then after that, you have like like ridiculous stuff. He's he's also a fe- part of the fellowship of the Royal Academy of Engineering. Is he? Which, oh, yes. Brilliant. Didn't know he's that. An honourable member, in fact. And yeah, and then also an MBE. So yeah, I just think personally, like obviously, we, you mentioned that that might be, might be the case. I think it's time oh, personally, yeah. and he's worked like very much serving, and I'm really pleased that that was the that was the way he did it, as I said, because it, it does make a point to some of the people who like oh he just drives around in circles in the quickest car every week. Like I'd like like you know that's not. <laughs> That's just not it at the end of the day. Like, he is a talent. And I don't know if you guys saw, but at the beginning of the weekend, they were showing um, his uh, um, lap in... Uh, did you put it in the group chat? I can't remember. His lap of Istanbul, his race in Istanbul when he was in GP2? Maybe not. Um, when he was in GP2, however many years ago, he had a, a race in, in to win the GP2 championship, I think, in on this track. And he was down to something ridiculous like... 16th or 18th or something did he spin for that i think so and he had to make his way up to second to win the championship and he did it was oh yeah go back to this was featured in one of our podcasts this year in like the first second (laughs) third one wow that's taking us back like when the pandemic was fresh they were showing it they were showing it um on like in the lead up so as a demonstration of the track obviously and honestly i could not quite believe what i was watching the, the way that he just passed cars so easily and that was in gp2 and that shows that you know the cars were the same they, they were they're the same cars in gp2 so it's yeah. not just about the car he's mm. a talent and he's shown it again this weekend so what was quite incredible about that and it draws parallels to what happened this weekend was hamilton went to his team and said look i want to race with less downforce and of course you had left that less downforce you have less friction so it's easier to spin and he pushed the car to the limit on the first lap found where the limit was by spinning and then proceeded to race the race pushing just about below the limit and that's how you do it so and then just like that he clearly he felt that he knew exactly what his just tires were doing he knew exactly how the car felt and what the track was now feeling like and he, ha- he did have some of the advantage because by not being in first place to begin with you let all the cars push the water off the track for you so he he, he knew he was very calculated actually um and him and sergio perez we um you know we cannot forget that he did the same thing actually and independently from one another as well i mean the the, the team of racing point went on to sergio perez's mic and said hey box 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 come into the pits now that's what it means and he just said no just like hamilton was saying no i don't need to come in i know exactly what i'm doing and you're absolutely right. I can I can't think of a better way to do it. Actually, usually we get a bit disappointed if Hamilton just storms into the lead and is never caught up. Of course, we're going to be disappointed. We want action, and that doesn't mean crashes. That just means wheel to wheel racing. And I feel like I was on my edge of the seat the entire time. It was a slow race because it was wet. It went on for ages. It was just fantastic. God, I, I could watch it all over again. Hockenheim, two years ago, whatever it was. 
And I think one thing that made the victory even sweeter is the fact that he started in sixth. From my sort of perception and view, Mercedes almost accepted defeat in terms of qualifying. And it made you think, oh, OK, well, Hamilton will be beating Bottas wherever he is on the track. But it's unlikely that he's going to be on the podium. Couple that with the fact that he had problems with his brakes, as he was saying, um, was overtaken by Albon, was incredibly slow in the first few laps. And then, hey, pulls it out of the bag once again. So that's the fact for me that makes it so sweet and surprising. It's the fact that we thought we were in for a, a showing, or I did at least, where Hamilton wouldn't be at the uh, the top of the tree. It wouldn't be a vintage Lewis performance. Um, but then he showed us it could be. So we talked about the, the idea of a knighthood. I think one thing's for certain, a sports personality winner hmm. uh, award oh, yeah. will definitely be going to his house and he'll be able to uh, put that trophy on the mantelpiece load with, along with... Um, what is it, three or four? Maybe even five he has, but yeah. Huge, huge race. Very successful. Yeah, wow. Definitely. Maybe this is a good point, though, to talk about what actually happened in, in the qualifying that put Hamilton in such an odd position because if if you didn't listen, if you didn't watch at home and you weren't keeping up what was going on, effectively, the whole problem of this started when the Turkish decided to put on a bit of a show for the Formula One paddock by relaying a track surface, which... I suppose when you're driving on your everyday car and you go onto a new piece of tarmac, you go, ooh, it's so smooth. And that's the problem because it's counterintuitive, but the smoother and the, the, the slicker the road surface is, that means you get less grip. And what the, the, Tur- what the Turkish Grand Prix organisers did is they put down this beautifully new, slippery, flat surface and... The resin and the bitumen that you use basically floated to the top. And it's a bit like, I suppose, when you when you bake a cake and there's a little bit of, of, of oil slick on your non-stick tin and it's just super duper slidey. And that's exactly what happened. And it meant that no one could go around the corners quickly without basically spinning off. And then in qualifying, it rained slightly and it basically it created a new non-stick surface that never before discovered by the humanity that seems to be far more slippery than even Teflon. And I saw a lot of tweets, actually, from people saying, why don't these cars just turn up the downforce, just put more downforce on the cars to overcome this? And I, I saw lots of complicated explanations of why this wouldn't work with you know diagrams of, of directional forces, but I think a thought experiment explains it a bit better. If you imagine there's a really fat person like me on, a, on an ice rink, and then someone like Liv, someone nice and skinny and small, on an ice rink as well, and we're both lying on our backs. <laughs> <laughs> and then Tom comes in and decides to move us, right? If he <laughs> if he pushed Liv, he'd be able to do it with relative ease. If he pushed me, it would I would be more resistive, but that doesn't really matter because the the thing below me, ice, is so slippery, and so you could. This is what was happening. You, they were cranking up the downforce on the on the cars, and you might well have more force pushing you into the tarmac. But the fact of the matter is, the the tires just could not produce enough friction to to change direction of the cars. And so what happens? You either don't turn, or you get understeer, or as soon as it flicks out, you can't correct and you get massive oversteer and you spin off and so that that's basically just what happened it was just we didn't get cars on in snow as perhaps we thought we might in Hockenheim but we definitely got the nearest thing to f1 on ice it was ridiculous wasn't it yeah like when when we were watching practice and all the practices and stuff like in the background at here at home 
literally every few seconds, like me, if me and my dad were out of the room or something, like yellow flag or not, oh someone's off track, yellow flag sector two, like because it seemed like every two seconds someone on bloody spun off, and it felt to me kind of silly to be honest. I, I personally was a bit like this is dangerous. I was enjoying it, but at the same time, I was like, when's the real accident going to be? Oh yeah, they were um, like Bambi. I I was expecting us to have an accident of some kind this weekend that was more worrying than most, but thankfully. We were very lucky and nothing happened, but I did feel a lot of some of the time like, really? Someone has just gone off again. Like, And during the race, I'm sorry, we're talking about qualifying, but during the race, whenever um, they, there was a, we were watching someone else, like a particular um, couple of drivers who were in competition at the time, and then be a, they would come up with yellow flag. I'd be like, oh God, this is, mm-hmm. is going to be the one. This is going to be the one where someone's really badly hurt. And then obviously it goes green again and they've, they've managed to find their way back on track. But like, it was just a little bit of a, it was a bit irritating after all, but yeah, I absolutely loved it to watch. And I, the reason I loved it is because everyone was well and safe. But um, yeah, what chaos. Chaos. I mean, the, the clear evidence of how slippery the track was, was the fact that Giovinazzi and Russell even spun when they were on track about to go into their, their formation grid. And it, it, it's quite funny and quite almost ironic in many ways, the fact that the authorities of the Turkish Grand Prix realised how slippery the track was after practice, commissioned a number of cars to go round the track to get more rubber onto the track, making it less slippery and introducing more sort of grip and friction. And then it rained. It rained. (laughs) (laughs) We're very much back to square one. So it's almost like trying all that sort of stuff to make amends for the the grave uh, issues that were there on the track um, from Friday, trying to make amends. You know, fair play to you the authorities for realising that they um, they messed up, but um, Mother Nature decided, no, back to square one. And of course they were up all night as well, they were mm. up all night going over getting rubber into the surface and, well, I mean we know that when rubber goes gets wet, it doesn't work very well by the fact that when it's raining, often slip over in your shoes so it's just imagine doing uh, well trying to do not even getting up speed or you know 180 200 kilometers an hour and then trying to break it's just you cannot do it but it was through that strange strange combination of factors that no one could possibly have predicted apart from maybe the man who who betted that Pierre Gasly, Lance Stroll uh, would end up on the podium. Maybe he predicted it, but the rest of us mere mortals could not predict the, the circumstances that would lead to Lance Stroll getting first place on the grid. Yes, yeah, so um, Lance Stroll was able to come into first place on qualifying. Extremely unexpected. Um, and it was right going down right to the wire that he was able to do this. Um, he's able to beat Max Verstappen. He's able to beat his teammate um, Sergio Perez as well as Albon. And I don't know about you guys, but um, after seeing him come up to that final straight, I thought to myself, there's no way he's going to be able to beat the Red Bull cars and his more experienced and senior senior driver. And then he, he was able to do so, able to beat as well Daniel Ricciardo. And I'm still rather perplexed, aside from the car that he has and the fact that Stroll is quite good in, in the wet conditions um, compared to other drivers, how he was really able to do it. Because, I mean, Lance Stroll is one of those drivers who, yes does have the ability to get good race starts, does, does have the ability to to maintain his position, he does have qualities, but I never had him down as somebody who's good in qualifying, considering if my memory and stats are correct, Perez has pretty much outperformed him in every single race, in terms of qualifying. 
I am. Um, yeah, I agree. What's what's quite funny is earlier on, like literally, like maybe a few hours before, or maybe the day before, I was. Um, no, it was day before during practice. I was listening to the Sky Sports commentators, and they were saying stuff like, "Yeah, Racing Point are going to try really hard to improve their qualifying performance. They're not happy. Like their race performance is good. They make their way through the pack, but qualifying is just not what they want and what not what they're aiming for." And um, I think I put this in the group chat. Actually. I was like, "Oh, so when on the Friday when I heard that, I was like, I'm absolutely taking Racing Point out of my team for my fantasy team. Like if they're doing so badly in qualifying." <laughs> Um, so it sounds to me right, really, but it's interesting that that's the point they were making, and then bang, there go um, Racing Point with that fantastic qualifying. And I, you make a point about how he, he beat Max Verstappen, and, and I actually felt like I was basically like a, a race engineer or race strategist here because <laughs> basically when uh, Max was out doing a quick lap, and he, you might have seen what this was doing quality, he had purple sectors, sector one, sector two, purple sectors, and I was like, oh my god, like this is gonna be it because like he's. Um, Again, I'm just talking about my team again. He's my main driver in my fantasy team. So I was like, come on, Max. Like, and also, I like the guy. He's a great driver. So I was like, come on, Max, come on, Max. Purple sectors. And I thought, brilliant. And then they put, he went into the pits. So he never finished this purple sector, like this lap where he was absolutely like flooring it. Got to the final corner, went into the pits. And I was like, that was such a stupid decision. What if they don't get a chance to do that again? And I was absolutely right. He didn't get a chance to do that again. And then that was the situation. So, I, you know, I was sat there going, oh, my God, I'm better than Christian Horner. Like, what's going on? <laughs> um, I did think it was a bit of an error. Um, but in, enough about errors of other people. Yeah, congrats to Stroll. I think he's made a really big point there to people, us included. A who... racing point, eh? <laughs> people, uh, us included, who say he may be a little bit of a pay driver, you know, his father and the situation he's in there. However, he has shown us and a lot of people, you know, he does have that skill and that talent and, um, you know, in a car that is quick, but as I just said, isn't strong in qualifying. You know, he's really made a point there, a racing point there. So um, congrats to him and I'm really pleased for him. Yeah, you're right about Max Verstappen. I thought that's really weird as well because why, why would you pull a drive? Like, even if you don't, even for some reason, they, they went yellow, and, and that, which means they're slower in the last sector. Purple, purple means that you're faster than everybody else green yeah. means you're faster than just yourself purple purple and then it doesn't come in it doesn't I, complete the lap i was fuming i thought it was really weird like, why on earth would you do that it was, it was so strange it, it's like i don't know it, it's like binning a perfect cake just before you ice it why would you do that it was and fine they, they admitted um, that they regretted it afterwards as well, well so, you know, I, they, this we is... should be working there Trust me, like Formula One is not a, a sport you play in in hindsight. You cannot mm. do that. It was utterly bizarre. But yes, so what? But uh, Tom, you said why did Lance Stroll manage to get this performance? Now, my theory is it's because of the way that last year's Mercedes worked on its tires. I, if you remember rightly, they the last year's Mercedes was actually quite heavy on its tire use. Right, mm-hmm. and what what that usually means is the tires spend a lot of the time overheating. It's it's one of the issues of, of that. But the time when you actually want to be able to pummel more heat into the tires is when the tires are constantly being cooled down and when they're going harder. Perhaps when it's raining, for like for example. Now my theory is Lance Stroll and Perez 
because they had last year's Mercedes, it's relatively difficult, uh, relatively hard on its tyres, which means they could get the heat into there okay. They don't have the DAS advantage, which this year's Mercedes do, but that combined with nice fresh tyres meant that they could get lots out of the car. And apparently the pressures, the they were, they were up uh, to higher pressures, I think, on the tyres as well. There is a wind, there is a... There is a little bit of playing around teams can do within the set parameters of how much pressure they can put in the tyres. I think they increase the pressure as well, a bit more downforce. Um, and it just meant they had a, that magic winning combination. I, I suppose it's like, you know, if you chuck different spices into a sauce, eventually you'll get this magic combination. And I don't know whether or not they'd ever be able to repeat it. I don't think we will ever, ever see something like we had in Turkey ever again because it was just such magic circumstances. But yeah, I think, and what it what allowed them to do, both drivers, was put in those epic laps. And Lance Stroll, as you say, Tom, is good in the wet. We know that. Perhaps maybe this is what, what Papa Stroll should do, just pay the organisers to put down a film of water for each qualifying to get his son into first because he'd absolutely be able to do it. And he's a bit like Verstappen in that sense, can definitely perform in the wet. So yeah, I think that's what happened. I think it was just one of those magic moments where the parameters of the weekend match your car perfectly. Oh, it, it you know, it got butterflies actually a little bit when he was when he was on, on the radio like crying down there because he got pole position and Liv were you crying uh, no oh you cry everything yeah okay that's true right. that's true I cry a lot of things like, but um I didn't cry <laughs> that no um but no I was absolutely like really pleased for him actually and I, I, I just refreshing really like I, I said at a point earlier when we were talking about Hamilton it was just really nice to see a, like a good mix, a good race like wasn't Hamilton leading from or Bottas leading from the start as um, I'm not sure I don't think you've said but um, this was the only pole position of the year that wasn't a Mercedes. Um, so, you know, he's he's made a history in 2020 of being the only driver not in a Mercedes to get pole position. So what an achievement and just a great way to start a really exciting mm. race, to be honest. So, you know, good for him. And um, I'm sure we'll come on to talk about it. But what a shame that, you know, it didn't pan out <laughs> maybe the way he'd hoped the race itself. Yeah, I mean, I mean, let's talk about the race itself because that's the most annoying thing. You have Stroll doing so well in qualifying, defying all the odds from ourselves and the racing community in general, beating a superior uh, Red Bull driver and possibly car, maybe on not, not maybe not on this occasion. Um, but yeah, a great start, comfortable, commanding for uh, what was it, five, six, seven laps. Um, it looked to me like it was in the bag for Stroll um, because well, the track was just so slippery. There was no one he was commanding the conditions and he had a, a decent lead for a large amount of the race thus far however it all went southern shall we say it all went south when one charles leclerc spooked him by going to the intermediate tires stroll said no 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 there's no need for me to come in racing points mechanics and friends i'm going to stay out i'm going to carry on and uh, get this win or get a second place or whatever However, he was brought in, those tyres started to grain and grain badly, the intermediate tyres, and it comes out after the race that Racing Point said there was uh, front wing damage on his car, um, and somehow he was able to go slower, I found, on the intermediates, this is backed up by stats as well, he was able to go slower on the, on the intermediates on a drying track than on full wets on a, well, very wet track, finished in ninth place, 
Listen, like, we've always said that we're not sort of the biggest fans of, of Stroll because of how he's come on uh, to the scene, but this was quite uncomfortable to watch, um, him falling so far. But he he did take it well. He didn't throw his toys out the proverbial pram, um, but gutted for him, gutted for him. He led 32 of the 58 laps. Oh, 32? Oh, man. Yeah. Yes. Not just seven, then. Yeah, <laughs> not just seven, no. He, he led... 32 laps and when when Hamilton started getting a bit faster and Perez started also getting fastest laps it was that point I think I turned uh and to to the realization that he probably wasn't going to get first simply because the Mercedes once it it, it gets up to speed is insane especially with Lewis Hamilton behind the wheel but I, I didn't expect him to go into ninth. And I think, yeah, Tom, you're right. His his maturity, actually, throughout. Because at the beginning, he came onto the radio and he was you know asking how the track's doing and how the, when the weather is in his car. His voice was lovely and calm. And it was really a bit upsetting that as, as the race went on, his heart, his voice went more and more panicky until it was, ah! <laughs> you know, team, what's yeah. going on? And then, of course, they decided to, to bring him in for new intermediate tyres and he unlike Sergio Perez decided to follow team orders and I think as much as we might criticise the team you cannot criticise Stroll for that at the end of the day he is sitting in a small coffin shaped cockpit with no information other than where he is and where the cars are around him if that and when the team says right Lance, come in now. We've got to change your tyres. You go, yeah, all right. It takes, I mean, it, it takes luck really to say no to a team like that, and it come out okay. So I don't blame him exactly for what he did, and what, and you know, it is entirely the team's fault. The team did lose him out on on points, and that's just something he's got to deal with. But afterwards, he, he in an interview, they asked him, you know, do you, how do you feel? And he's like, I don't blame the team. They did the best they could. And I think that shows real guts because, and also shows a real strength of character. I wouldn't react like that, maybe. I mean, really, really angry. But I, I think he, he now is the, I think he now holds the record for the most laps led from a Canadian. You can double check that one. That. Um, I think he's now <laughs> taken that one. So good on him. And I think maybe it shows the, the potential for growth in the future. But yeah, no, I just, it was really sad to see him see him fall from grace like that to, to um, ninth. You both spoke about Tom in particular, the, the start and you said, you know, he led for this many laps from the beginning. I think it's worth talking about the start actually just because the fact that the racing points did so well on that start and the Rebels did so poorly. I could not believe Max Verstappen essentially just stopped. And like I, I was watching him and it just felt I was begging him on when both, both Verstappen and Albon, like obviously the way that the car was set up and they were, they'd been told to start in a particular gear, etc, etc. I heard some people might be starting in second or something. I don't really know how that works. It's, but... because, uh, it's because you short shift, right? If you, if yeah. you start off in first and you, you drop the clutch, your, your wheels are just going to spin. So if you start off in second, it means that the engine is turning a much higher gear, which means that you can't rotate the wheels as fast to begin with so it's basically just a short shift it allows the car mm. to not wheel spin so even though you you would accelerate f- slower in normal conditions because you don't have the wheel spin that waste of energy you actually accelerate faster 
Yeah, but they seem the rebels just seem to have an absolute mare on that, and it's worth pointing out as well. The Renaults had a really good start, really, really good start. I, after seeing that, I really thought we'd have another Danny Rick podium, <laughs> but that was just me, you know, hoping for the best. But no, they, I thought the start for the racing points on the Renaults superb. Rebels shocking, and I wasn't even paying attention to Mercedes at that point because they were so far down. And and then, mm. as you say, as time passed, they, we become more and more aware of the fact that they, you know, especially well, I say them, I think I mean Lewis Hamilton. Valtteri Bottas was not, you know, <laughs> really much of a threat that, um, on Sunday. But they, you know, that we became more and more aware of the Mercedes. And as we know, as time, we, you know, time told as it or played out, we know that that was like the case. And uh, Hamilton would come up. And yeah, what a shame for Stroll. I think, yeah, absolutely complete maturity because there's a huge number of drivers, drivers that we respect and that we like say are some of our favourites that would have kicked off far more than someone like Stroll who maybe maybe people haven't given enough credit to him before. So he was yeah, really sensible, really mature, which again you've got to remember he's he's just twenty two years old. That's you know, that's a, someone like Max who is a bit older and some of the someone like Kimi Raikkonen who's hell of a lot older reacts far worse and to much more minor things than getting losing perhaps a podium you, you say Tristan maybe not a win but losing what could have been maybe a podium to back to ninth how gutting but you know he was really mature so I definitely have more respect for him and I wish him luck next in the next race yeah I mean we might we should probably talk about what happened to to Bottas yes let's <laughs> because uh <laughs> hmm, yes Bottas decided to to really test the limits of of the dr- the grip that the track could 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 afford him, and he had six spins in the race, which I mean, bless him, that's so many. It was mm. the first two were funny, the f- next two were regrettable, and the last two were just a bit sad. It was really sad to see him just keep spinning around. I have no idea why what happened. I don't I, I just maybe maybe cuz he was pushing it too hard. I think frustration. Yeah. He was just getting so straight. I'll just I'll just just have a go, you know, I'll just push it into this corner and off we go. Like I that's the point actually. I feel like a bit of idiocy comes into this race. I can mention at least three people. I say idiocy, that's very rude. They're very talented people <laughs> who would do a much better job than any of us. But what I mean is is like perhaps being risk taking risks that weren't necessary so obviously Bottas pushing the car to a way that it couldn't go and that he couldn't control it what a shot like it was so stupid like I don't understand why why that was the case and it is embarrassing because you know everyone knows everyone's talking about on Twitter oh yeah Bottas spun six times like he got lapped yeah, yeah exactly and then then you've got to think about on that same note you've got to think about Alex Albon I, there I was cheering oh, I was like, honey you're gonna do oh, so well seriously and then guy. off he go like what was I don't even understand what he was doing there he was Max ahead of the same well yeah Max, Max spun behind Albon right because oh. because people I heard the commentators go Albon spun and my reaction was oh of course it's Albon but that doesn't look like it Albon was, and it was because yeah. Verstappen spun that Max, that move by Max was he was so close to the back of Albon's car, the spray there was absolutely no chance, and then he just caught a, caught a bit of water um, like water on the track, and then off he went. But they were just they're just being so rushed, and they're not thinking straight because of these conditions that they were in, and the fact that you know they are obviously battling places. I understand, but there's just a level of maturity that they need, and also the final one of those, of course, which I'm which again I'm kind of leading the conversation to by accident is 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 Leclerc. You know, yeah. come on, man. Come on, like that was that was so stupid. Like we, I understand, obviously he wants to get up to P two, but to to lose out on that podium on that final couple of corners because he was just too desperate and it wasn't. There was that move was unnecessary and stupid. So I 
and he knows that so yeah. i don't feel a problem saying that um but what an idiot. well it was so the last lap that was the worst bit about it it was the mm-hmm. last lap and he last was in corner as well last corner last, last lap and he was in third yeah. and he desperately wanted to get past Sergio Perez and he'd done a great job of catching up to him mm. and there are moments I think when you dive and you really go for it but being on a track where you can't break very well with your teammate a few meters behind you I don't know I suppose maybe it's it's one of those moments that you that flashes towards a, into a driver's mind where you go right it's make or break time that's it. This is what's what I'm going to be remembered for in the next race. And you, I don't know. Uh, we all do stupid things in the heat of the moment. He went for it, and, and he locked up and went off, and that meant Vettel could get past him for third. So he lost out on a podium there. Yeah, I mean, I mean the fact that, as you say, looking at how poorly the Ferrari car has done this season and how he's been able to drag that car up in qualifying, in racing through this season, it just seems so out of character for him to go and make that reckless, gung-ho decision. I mean, I'm hoping this will be a decision he learns from and he, he looked incredibly upset and was consoled uh, a great deal by the mechanics, not um, Benotto, because he wasn't there. But what a, what, a, what a stupid decision to make when it's been such a hard season. Like, looking at what he did there, like, comparing that to how well someone like Vettel and Perez did throughout this entire race, just sort of keeping a cool head, um, defending when they had to, managing their tyres when they had to, and then comparing those drivers to Leclerc and Bottas, they almost just forgot about the the longer and the strategy, the bigger picture, and just decided, yeah. oh, I, I want to get better. I want to go and be faster. I want to go and overtake this. Oh, sod the future, sod the consequences. Uh, and they've all paid the price. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Really tough on them. But that's what happens when you don't consider all of the elements. Easy said than done when I'm, of course, in an office chair recording <laughs> this, uh, th- this episode with you guys compared to a Formula One car on a sodden Turkish track. But still... Fingers crossed they learn from it because there was a great deal of experience shared by some drivers and sheer naivety from others. Yeah, and it was Max, Max Verstappen and I think Charles Leclerc that stuck out there with who demonstrated their naivety and actually how how they're not quite as developed yet as a driver as, as maybe we, we think they yeah. are. And that's why I think Stroll demonstrated his character within the, the race because he just kept a level head and he just led yeah. and led and led and he didn't, it didn't work out in the end, but that was okay. But I suppose, I think what, what Vettel said actually afterwards about the incident was really nice because he said that Leclerc is a bigger star than Verstappen and that missing out on this podium won't matter in 10 years. And I, I think I agree. Oh. Actually, I do like Max Verstappen as a driver. I think he has, a, he is a world champion perhaps in the making but I don't necessarily think Red Bull is a team that's capable of, of putting him there yet whereas I think I think Leclerc is is an absolute incredible driver and, and we're now starting to see definitely how good he is in a car that is uncompetitive and we've said many times this year that he's managed to get podium places and qualifying places that that Ferrari does not deserve Mm. and yeah. he he is in an in a caliber on his you know sort of all of his own at the moment because he's he's just he's just so good i mean do you think he's who would you say he's better at the moment verstappen and leclerc if they're the same car who would you who um, would you put as being 
the winner. I would personally say Verstappen still. I Ooh. I think there's just no. I would. I I I'm, they're very very close. I think they're both future world champions, as you say. For me, Verstappen is just a, a raw talent, um, especially in the wet, and like he's someone that obviously yeah, it's slightly it is to do with car, but he is someone that the only person really that challenges the the um the Mercedes and you know the likes of Hamilton and Bottas and I understand that is very like related to the car but at the end of the day like even last year when Leclerc had a better Ferrari you know for me Max was still the stronger driver but as you say you know there's parts there's both of them really there's there's sides of both of them that are still yet to grow and at the moment both of them can cause themselves errors and mistakes that will stop them becoming those world champions so I think that they both need to grow but I agree and I also agree that they could both do it but for me personally uh, Max just edges it. For me, I'm going to have to strongly disagree with you on that one. I think Leclerc is far superior to Verstappen as an individual driver. I mean, the guy's only been in the sport three years and I can probably name on one hand the amount of mistakes he's been able to make and name on several hands all the great things he's been able to do. For me, Verstappen is a talent, but as you say, he's a raw talent. He's almost a, a sort of a luxury item you want in your team because he has the ability to win a race and to make the audacious moves and to get pole position on qualifying because of that talent. But is he a team leader for Red Bull moving forwards? Can't say I'm convinced even remotely uh, in that regard. Red Bull are building a team around Verstappen. Verstappen's very happy for that to happen. But with Leclerc, it hasn't all gone his way. And granted, he is, he's kicked up a first when he felt it was necessary to do so. But he's been so mature this season I, I can hardly name a, a, a situation or a time where he's kicked up a fuss about how goddamn awful this Ferrari car has been, and he's performed so well. I mean, sort of looking at the contrast of this, Verstappen can be quite reckless, he can be gung-ho, and he can be almost um, mistake-prone in many regards at the crucial moments. But looking at Leclerc, this this occasion, this this one moment, why it shocked me the most is because it's so out of character. Uh, and for that reason... I, I just I just think the clerk is going to storm competition uh, if he were put in an equal car to Verstappen because of how well he's taken to Formula One in only three years. Mm. That's fair enough. Yeah. But it's it is so kind of Vettel to say a <laughs> Vettel to say something like that, and it just it's just another yet another you know attribute of Sebastian Vettel that we we all love and adore. So just he's put, so put wholesome. I absolutely love him. He's I can tell you what, actually, that's a perfect link. I am so pleased that he was there on the podium with Hamilton. I can't even tell you for this moment because I think they, they, they absolutely... I have a lot of respect for their relationship and I really like it because Vettel's been very... You know, he hasn't hidden from the fact that he, he's un, a little bit disappointed. He has felt disappointed in the sense that, you know, the fact that Michael's records are being broken and he said, he, he you know, he's not over, overly pleased, but he has so much respect for Hamilton and their relationship. They've had fights on track. They've had arguments off track. But they always, Vettel's always the first there. Like, I know yesterday he was parked next to him. Sorry, on Sunday, he was parked next to him. So obviously he was the first there. But always in in, past, in the past as well, Vettel's the first to jump up and congratulate him because he, they've been through so much together over the years and they he knows a pure talent and he recognises a pure talent. And, and, you know, he's up there in the recent, if you look at the recent years, of one of the only other people who's been winning those championships. So... Mm. You know what? You know what a great moment for those two to be together, and I, I, it made me quite emotional actually when Vettel jumped out the car and then leaned into Hamilton's car, and you know they high fived and he he ta- like put his hand on his helmet, and I just thought, you know what, this is a this is such an important friendship because it's it's much deeper than a friendship. You know they they've had so much 
you know rivalry and competition in the past but Vettel's one of those people that he he knows a talent when he sees it and he has he definitely has that respect for Hamilton so I'm so pleased he was up there and he did deserve it but of course it was really Leclerc's mistake that got him up there yeah and I, I couldn't I couldn't really it, I think the only way it could have been better is if he was up there for when Hamilton overtook Schumacher's record for the in his eighth world chi- championship title yeah, because but then you had Mick there, so that was nice. Mick Schumacher was up, was there for. Well, yeah, he'll yeah. be there next year, Mick Schumacher. That's so, very true. So Mick will be witness, <laughs> well. perhaps to, um, yeah, Mick will perhaps be witness to his father's record Overtaking. Yeah. being broken, and every year on that, looking at Hamilton and realizing that the mountain you you've got to climb <laughs> is getting higher Big and time. higher. I actually have a point, sorry to change the subject really quickly, but I, I don't know if you guys saw so like obviously how um, we think that Mick's going to be probably a Haas. Mm-hmm. Yes. And how the other one would be Nikita Mazepin. Did you mm. see what Nikita Mazepin said today and got in the trouble? Yes, uh, I saw you like that tweet. Yeah. What an idiot. He, would you like um, to would you like to tell the listeners? Yeah. So <laughs> let me just get them up. And I would like <laughs> to make it very, very clear that I'm This is when Liv says, No, they can listen if they can find out <laughs> if they follow me on Twitter at Liv Perry, whatever it is, ninety nine. I'm, I'm gonna yeah, it's Liv Perry nice time. Um, so, um, but basically, I'm just making this very clear. I'm reading a quote. This is absolutely in no way my words. <laughs> um, he said on an Instagram story, bear in mind, he's about to be gaining or has already gained a huge following of young, impressionable F1 fans. Um, and also, you know, not just impressionable, but just a lot of fans as he's approaching joining the sport. And he posted on his story today. Once again, this is a quote. Uh, one year since the guy in Wuhan ate a bat. Happy birthday, COVID. So, oh, God's I mean, sake. Honestly, Jesus. I was honestly like, I mean, and everyone is outraged because at the end of the day, that you just, you, he has to learn. It's not what you shouldn't say in the first place. Like, what a terrible thing to say. And, you know, it shows the lack of, you know, the education and the lack of understanding of what's going on. But also, it it's not just idiotic because it's like a stupid thing to say, but it's the fact that he's about to, it's about to be a huge announcement about his future and his career and his career mm. is on the line. And he's thought, you know what? I mean, what would be so funny is if I posted like two people will laugh, so it'd be worth it. Ha <laughs> ha. What an idiot. And he's just had so much um, hate towards him now. And what was the point of that? And I, I, I know, obviously, we know that Hass is not going to absolutely do anything about it because they need his father's money. But God, like, you don't you just wish they could dump him. <laughs> Has he removed it? I don't know because I've, I've only looked at screenshots of it. I don't, I don't follow him. So. I've just, I've just <laughs> gone into his Twitter. Was it wasn't on a... his Twitter. No, it was an Instagram story. Oh, uh, okay. I, I'll, I'll, I'll have a look now. What a stupid thing to say, honestly. Okay. Advice for listeners and anyone out hmm. there: Don't be a dick, especially if you're about to be on the, yeah. one of the twenty biggest names in motorsport. He's made has look like vankers. Exactly, it does look so <laughs> stupid when he's probably he's already being someone that's being watched so much because of how much people are mad about the way he's brought his way in. People are already looking for a reason to 
you know, bite him and this is what he's done wrong. And then he goes and does that. Like, don't give people a reason because we're more likely to hate you now <laughs> than yeah. the actual reason we had originally. And it's just so disrespectful. And I think I just tried, by the way, and it, <laughs> the it original reason. Uh, like yeah he has it has been removed he's taken it down but at the end of the day people know about it now the screenshots everywhere people are quoting it all over twitter so the damage has been done but the the heartbreaking thing is and it joins back to what we were saying the other week the depressing conversation we had is it doesn't matter because he's rich and that's the way that f1 is at the moment we talk about saudi arabia we talk about this at the end of the day a lot you can get away with a lot when you have a lot of money in the sport so it's a shame but i mean we would love to see something done about it but i'm afraid i don't think anything will happen so just thought yeah. i'd add that to the conversation but me but anyway we're talking well, about like, just like the race itself this podcast has started off with a real positive note and <laughs> slowly spun down the slippery track of disaster mm. yep Sorry, yeah, going back to Vettel. Um, yeah. <laughs> we'll end on a positive, shall we? Uh, yes. I mean, I mean, I, I can kind of link off from what you just said there because many a year ago, I wasn't a re- really big fan of Vettel because he was the big arch nemesis of Hamilton. There was the incident in Baku where he sort of, you know, drove into the side of him um, because he braked uh, too hard or something and he smashed his front wing. I, I forget the details, but that was the gist of it. Go and look it up. Um, and I really wasn't a big fan of Vettel. And I think in many regards, he really wasn't very mature and was quite self-centred in his early days when he was a, uh, a world champion in the making, when he was winning two, three and four championships with Red Bull. But I've seen a change in him personally when he's gone to Ferrari. I mean, he's even admitted that he's failed at Ferrari because he's been unable to win that world championship, which he was undoubtedly signed to do. But the fact, as we say, that he went over to Hamilton, you know, shook his hand, congratulated him, and was able to get that third place after a disastrous season and a bit um, for the German driver is is really great. I mean, granted, uh, the McLarens weren't at the races in that regard. Um, Stroll had bad luck, so did the Red Bulls. Ricardo wasn't up there as he thought he would be, so there was a bit of luck. But if there if there's anybody in that uh, in that entire paddock of twenty drivers who deserves uh, a good break, it's Sebastian Vettel after the fact that. He went into the season knowing that he wouldn't be on Ferrari's good books. In fact, the divorce papers were pretty much signed between him and um, the Italian team. It was revealed he wasn't offered a new contract because of his poor form last season and that he was going to be replaced by Carlos Sainz. And it was quite clear from the mechanics point of view, I'm not saying there's a sort of conspiracy against the German here, but they were prioritising and still do. Charles Leclerc, because Leclerc is the up-and-coming talent and he's going to be there for years to come. And that was evident by the fact that very few of them went to congratulate Vettel on that third place. Um, but Vettel, in many regards, had to make his own decisions and own calls in terms of tyres, in terms of strategy, mid-race, as Tristan said, when drivers like him are very much in a coffin by themselves, things whizzing past them at stupid mile an hour. Um, so fair play to him, and I'm really happy to see him going to, to to Racing Point or Aston Martin next year. I think he's going to be a great asset. It's a shame it's at the expense of Sergio Perez, who once again had a stellar race and is knocking on the door of Red Bull once more. Um, but a, a great race in Vettel, very happy for him, um, as I am Perez, but I'm a Perez fanboy, so that's to be taken for granted. 
And so ends episode 19 of F1 in Review, a Turkish delight. Thank you very much, dear listener, for once again listening to the end of this episode where we've taken a great deal of your time to discuss the haphazard, chaotic and beautiful race which was the Turkish Grand Prix 2020. It got exciting all the way from Friday practice through to Sunday and it saw Lewis Hamilton become a seven-time world champion after winning from sixth place. Commiserations to Stroll, commiserations to Leclerc and Bottas who, yeah, forget that one. But congratulations to Hamilton, Perez, Vettel and all those that were able to be successful in this Grand Prix. Once again, filthy a stroll. After all the hate, well, I say hate, after all the Joval fun we've had at your expense, we're all egging you on, but it wasn't to be. Uh, we'll be back next episode where there will not be Grand Prix action for us to review because the 29th of November is when we'll be seeing the first Bahrain Grand Prix of this season. But we will be back discussing all things F1. Until next time, thank you very much for listening. Turkey, man, we need it back in our lives. Honestly. We do. What a shame! It, what a shame it's not there next year. Don't oh, no. worry, lads. We've got Saudi Arabia. It's amazing how so many races have been cancelled because of COVID and coronavirus and the sort of issues that come along with that. But funny enough, Abu Dhabi, which has had its own problems with respiratory diseases such as MERS and SARS, as well as COVID, is able to carry on. Draw your own conclusions from that one, friends. But um, yes, money speaks, I think, in many regards. Maybe maybe we should get Snetterton onto yeah! the uh, race tra- onto the race season the small you know, that's Formula 4 circuit where, the where real finale 20, 20 minutes from my, <laughs> 20 minutes from my house you guys can stay at mine it's just 20 minutes away from my house I'll drive you it's there it's an invitation so to the listeners as well Liv well yeah, <laughs> yeah all seven will turn up <laughs> yeah you're all welcome to come and stay at mine when, when the Grand Prix is at Snetterton that's Snetterton. my comment but yeah. yeah, the grand F1 finale. Will Hamilton win? It's all down to Snetterton. <laughs> <laughs> it just cannot sound that. cool. Also, I just thought I'd put this, there is a corner on, in Snetterton. I just, this is a nice way to end the, the end, end the uh, episode. Actually, there's a corner in Snetterton where, in the war, a bomb fell, and there is a hole there, and they have called it the bomb hole, <laughs> the bomb hole corner. And as you can imagine, there are many slip-ups in commentary. Um, so on that note, on that note, you'll see if it was that that race, we'd see Hamilton going around the bomb hole, sorry, bomb hole corner <laughs> to win his victory. No, I just thought that was a bit of fun, but yeah, there is. That's actually a fact. So good, uh, good times. Yeah. The end. <laughs>